All right, Adam, welcome back. We have another edition, uh, episode five of Buffum Updates. How's it going? How's it been on a slow week in a slow month for sports period, especially uh, college football? How's it been? It's been great. We're, we're getting close, though, Chico. College basketball is starting to heat up here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be on Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament in a couple weeks. Looking forward to that. And then spring ball starts up, and there's so many storylines to, to talk about and uh, things that are going to evolve throughout the course of those 15 spring practices. And then it sounds like it's going to end with a party. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, well, go ahead and give us a quick update. Uh, I probably should have asked you about this earlier, but go ahead and give us a quick update uh, on the basketball, Buffs basketball that's going on. Yeah, Colorado is firmly on the bubble right now, and they've got a big game coming up against Oregon on the road next week. Their resume is lacking the quad one wins that, you know, the folks that that put together the NCAA tournament seating put a high premium on. But on the good side of that, Colorado doesn't have a, a ton of bad losses. Uh, and so their net rating is in the top 30, which has them in a decent position, but they can't slip up this Sunday against Stanford. They've got to go on the road at Oregon State and win that game. and. Oregon is not necessarily a must win, but it would put less pressure on you having to go out to Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament if you can pull off that win as well. Uh, it's a team that has been battling injuries all season, uh, but if they can get healthy, get Cody Williams back, Julian Hammond back for that Oregon game and for the, the home stretch, this is a team that has the chance to have a special run. And uh, we've been waiting for a Tad Boyle team to get to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament team. And this is one of the most talented teams that he's had. Uh, they have fought that injury bug. They have been turnover prone at times this year, but it's been a really fun team to watch. KJ Simpson is one of the most uh, dynamic point guards in the country and has worked his way into draft boards, uh, currently projected as a late first round pick. Uh, and so that, that's been a fun emergence to see him really mature because uh, he's been a confident young man, a confident player, but teams could sometimes get him out of out of his rhythm. And this year he's been able to be a lot more resilient. And as Tadwell says, and, and what do I alluded to there, uh, he's been playing at an All-American level. Nice. And shout out to Coach Boyle. He'll be coaching the USA team, right? Well, he coached uh, the under, was it under 19? Yeah team this past summer that didn't go so great but yeah he's been very involved with usa basketball okay all right and so shout out to the men's basketball team also to the women's basketball team do you have any update on the women's also that you got to go to brian howell for that uh but they are currently projected as a number four seed right now so uh they, they've certainly had a great season as well yeah i know i've been keeping like one one eye on them and uh they've been really balling out they got some ballers over there shout out to the coach also doing her thing uh so we'll go from from basketball now that was just kind of like you know on the spot right there we'll go get into what we came here to talk about that is colorado bus football and coach prime news uh and this week we saw coming out as a matter of fact yesterday we saw come out um celebrating coach prime right and the production that they put on with the in-house uh media team shouts out to uh john snelson and the whole squad even uh we saw uh Deion sanders jr in there checking out a preview of the co celebrating coach prime mini doc that they put out what did you think about that um you know just the whole production of it and uh the impact that coach prime has had on cu as a whole and boulder so far since he's been there yeah, first off, the production level on that video was top-notch. That was incredible how they kind of tied everything together. I think the word that best describes Coach Prime is unicorn. You know, he's just somebody that has accomplished more than everybody else. Uh, when you look at his resume uh, and what he's done on the field, off the field, uh, the impact that he's had, it's see you in a short period of time um, in black history and, and just the impact he's had on so many people's lives across the country. And we felt that just covering Colorado in, in the comparison of what it was like before and what it's like now with coach prime. And it's pretty incredible how he lifts so many people up around him 
and uh, gets people to uh, want to achieve things that maybe uh, they didn't think they could accomplish and uh, really instills positivity and, and hope in folks. Definitely. Um, Shouts out, like you said, uh, to the great production on that with the compilation of all of the footage from this past season. Um, and, and since he arrived, uh, just a lot of a lot of good uh, shots in there and uh, meaningful content. Like you said, bringing a lot of black culture to to Boulder uh, and to the University of Colorado, whether it's, you know, with just with the events going on, with all the celebrities coming in, with just the awareness. Uh, we see a lot more uh, emphasis on uh, just music, entertainment, uh, history, uh, the fraternities and such. So uh, I think a lot of inclusiveness that he's bringing uh, to Colorado has been so important in, in spreading the brand globally. You know, you see this uh, CU logo on everything, as they said in the video, whether it's Saturday Night Live, uh, morning shows, night shows, <laughs> Super Bowl, uh, All-Star Games, whatever you see in that logo plastered because it's now synonymous with Coach Prime, even uh, Shador Sanders and Shiloh and, and Travis. All of them, when when they are seen, Colorado is seen, and I think that's a good thing overall, uh, as it's been proven now. And I think he's bringing a whole different aspect uh, to the coaching world, like you like he said in the documentary. Also, um, it, it is a business, so why not treat it like a business? Why not act like a CEO? And that's what we're going nowadays. Um, probably one of my favorite parts of of seeing it was, um, and uh, it was a bunch of content I consumed this week, so. Um, <laughs> I, I remember seeing him when he said, uh, when he walks on the field before, before the game, I want you to let me know what you think about this. He said he's so locked in. He's not out there kind of speaking to the other coaches. And he said, I don't want my team to see me all lovey-dovey and hugged up with the other coach before the game. I'm locked in. I think that comes from that player mentality before the game to be locked in. And when you have that mentality, it's not so much of the coach shaking hands and, and lovey-dovey before the game. What do you feel about that? And, uh, and and how 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 do you think that plays into the psyche of a team to know that your coach is dialed in from the get-go? Well, yeah, you're going to do everything you can for Coach Prime because of the respect that you have for him. And that's how you see a lot of people in that building operate at a higher level from the chef – all the way down to the strength and conditioning coach. It just seems like people uh, want to live up to Coach Prime's expectation for them. And so, yeah, that competitiveness. I think it was Matt McChesney's podcast that, that he had mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he had Matt. mentioned that Chip Kelly was trying to do exactly that before the UCLA game this year, and he was not having it. But uh, he's been super respectful to the other head coaches. He's not the one that's bringing up some of this bulletin board material that uh, he has to – react to because it becomes a big deal on social media. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's, he's certainly uh, respectful before the game. And then uh, afterwards as well with these other coaches. And at some point you hope that they, they stop giving Colorado a bulletin board material. Cause it'd be fun to talk more about actual football than uh, you know, how coach prime's mother raised him and, and other things that uh, you know, are hit, hidden below the belt. <laughs> Like Coach Brown, no, where I'm from, those fighting words. You say something about mama. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, shouts out to Coach Prime and shouts out to Snelly and the whole team for putting that together. Uh, and whoever else had a hand in, in into uh, producing that great job, 100%. And uh, shout out to Matt McChesney also. I don't have this up here, but he did a sit-down interview with Coach Prime as we continue, I guess, celebrating Coach Prime. Um, and he was there face-to-face -face with him in the facility right there where Coach Prime closes the deals to bring in um, that Louis luggage he was referring to, so to speak, with these uh, recruits coming in. Um, great interview once again by a former CU player getting to sit down with Coach Prime and the whole new regime coming in there to Boulder. What did you think about that interview? And there's are there any parts – sorry to put you on the spot, but are there any parts that stand out to you uh, right now other than what we just mentioned? Well, first off, I was happy for Matt because I've known him for so long. He was a player at CU in 2003 when I started covering Colorado. And when he retired from the NFL and started up 6-0 strength, uh, I got to do a lot of recruiting coverage with him because beyond my CU recruiting coverage, I was also doing Colorado preps coverage at the time. And so uh, I spent a lot of time in his gym and 
he has a gruff exterior, obviously, and um, he'll come at you on social media. But when you get to know Matt, and he's got a huge heart, he's always got these kids' best in intention at heart, and uh, he's put so many guys that were kind of fringe college recruits to take their game to the next level and get that scholarship offer. I mean, I don't even know if Matt knows the count of how many guys he sent off to college at this point because he's uh, done such a great job working, you know, especially with the the offensive defense alignment. And you'll even see NFL guys in the offseason come to his gym to get work in with him. And so uh, he did a great job with that in, in kind of bigger picture topics with Coach Prime. And, uh, yeah, so it was cool to see him in the facilities. Yes, for sure. Uh, Shouts out to his Six Zero Academy and what he's doing with all of those kids and those prospects. Um, I think he had uh, the center uh, from uh, University of Michigan in the national championship game this this year. I think he, I saw him tweeting about that and a few other guys all around the country that he's been having a hand in. Um, so I know something about that by you know investing into the youth and uh, and seeing that 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 feedback coming back. So, you know, you could tell he has a good heart, even though, like you said, kind of rough on the outside, but that's a lot of football players who've been through it and who's passionate about, you know, either the kids or, or their alumni and, and what they've been through. They're passionate about it. And all they're trying to do is just, I feel, relay it to others. And, and you know, a lot of people might not get it the way that uh, former professional football players get it. So shouts out to Matt and Coach Prime for uh, being open to sit down with him and uh, get that done, dog, because I think that's going to forge a great relationship within them, with them uh, in the future. Because, Matt, I think he means good for the university um, as a whole. So where should we go from here, uh, Adam? I guess should we transition, I guess, to the uh, position changes? We've got a lot of things to cover. Position changes, or could we go with uh, breaking news? <laughs> Let's go position changes because uh, I'm anxious to get into spring ball to see how some of these guys do in their new position. And now that tight ends room uh, has got uh, basically doubled in size, right? <laughs> Definitely. It's uh, doubled in size and gotten a little bit heavier when you add in Savile Smalls, that we, as we covered before, 250-plus uh, pounds coming over from defensive end, former five-star. Uh, he's now at tight end position. Also, uh, linebacker Morgan Pearson is going, as we saw, shout out to Reach the People Media and Darius Sanders, as we saw uh, Morgan Pearson saying that he is now a tight end. And also um, he said that uh, Coach Corey, uh, director of player personnel, uh, brought him in and basically asked him, hey, and told him, basically, not asking, but told him, hey, I've been watching your film, and uh, I forgot, hey, you got some nice hands. You can really catch the ball. And what do you think about, coming over to a position of need right now for us at tight end. And he said he was all willing to do it. Uh, him and himself, uh, uh, Savelle, <laughs> uh, himself and Savelle are looking to get on the field a lot more than they were last year. Um, hey, additions to the tight end, end room along with Shaman Maytair, how do you feel about that? What, how can they really, really help us, Colorado, the Buffs, and Shadur Sanders on offense? Yeah, they're both good football players, but – it kind of looked like they were going to be potentially buried on the depth chart on defense. And then you have a need at tight end. Uh, we don't know if Luis Passarello is going to be in the mix. He missed all of last season with a torn ACL. You're excited about Shaman Mateo and what he brings to the mix, but just don't really have the depth there. And so if you can bring over Morgan Pearson and Savelle Smalls and either of them or both of them really fit in there, then all of a sudden that becomes less of a, of a transfer need. And, I think Pearson is probably more of a natural fit on the offensive side of the ball. He had 14 touchdowns in 10 games as a senior in high school and, and had a lot of schools actually looking at him on the offensive side of the ball. And um, it's just, it's a tough transition. Linebacker is a position where you're having to deal with so much traffic and some guys can handle that process information and it, it's natural for them. Other guys, it's just very difficult. And so, uh, it's not to say that Morgan Pearson couldn't have kept developing a linebacker and you never know this is spring ball. So he could potentially move back there, but, uh, I like them being able to experiment with some of these guys that have experience catching balls in high school. Uh, Savelle Smalls, uh, 
was a pretty dynamic player when he was used situationally in offense in high school. So uh, instead of these guys maybe not being part of the mix, now all of a sudden they, they've got a great opportunity to audition for a role at a position of need. Yep, yep. And I think that's going to be huge for the offense because they're bigger bodies who can who can um, contribute in the run game also at the end of the line. And uh, Pearson being probably a more of a, in my opinion, athletic, type tight end. Uh, I think he can get into that slot, learn the position though, and get into the slot and uh, make some moves out there. So it'll be interesting to watch those guys make that change. We also had a couple other um, guys. Those guys went from defense to offense, but we also had two go from offense to defense in the young guys of Adam Hopkins and Isaiah Harge. Both of those guys will be uh, red shirt freshmen, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Adam was actually um, all state on offense and defense, first team defense, first team, uh, second team offense his junior year, uh, had a pick and uh, returned for a touchdown. Looked pretty good on defense. My thing is, when you come over from offense wide receiver and you go to defense, a lot of times defensive backs are described as wide receivers who can't catch, so fast guys who can't catch. But So when you put over on defense at that cornerback position, Fast guys who can catch former wide receivers like we've seen uh, Richard Sherman, for instance, come to my mind. He played wide receiver at Stanford, then uh, uh, cornerback and one of the best in the league. Uh, Travis Hunter, you see getting a lot of picks. Can that translate to maybe what Coach Prime is looking for? A lot of turnovers on the defensive side of the ball by putting these former wide receivers uh, on the defensive side now. Yeah, it's a good point. And I remember really looking over Adam Hopkins' film when he was uh, a late addition to Coach Prime's first recruiting class in Colorado. And I came away from that thing and that I like the defensive film actually even a little bit better than what he did offensively. Amari Miller looked like more of kind of the natural receiver that was going to come in and make more of a big impact. And I was wondering, is Hopkins going to move over? And it didn't take a whole lot of time because uh, he had actually spent some time practicing on the defensive side of the ball last year. Harge as well kind of went back and forth uh, between offense and defense. Harge actually got his experience playing quarterback uh, kind of kind of out of necessity uh, in high school. Uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas, they had a bunch of injuries at cornerback, and so uh, they had better depth at receiver. So he moved over to corner, and it did seem like a pretty natural fit for him. He's got really elite short area quickness. Uh it's going to be tough, I think, for either of those guys to get uh, to the top of the pecking order, whether they're receiver or cornerback. But I do like the fit of both those guys. And it evens out the scholarship depth chart a little bit better, too, in terms of when you look at the total numbers for receiver and cornerback. Yeah, like you said, evens out that number. Um, and also looking at Hopkins film, we got I got a little clip right here because what I did was, uh, what was this, a year ago? Uh, when Hopkins first signed, um, I did a highlight tape on him, and here's a couple of clips on defense that maybe you were, you you saw and you came away with uh, saying, "Oh my gosh, he's pretty impressive." Look at that yeah. read right there at the cornerback spot, almost like what we saw Travis Hunter do in the TCU game, right? Yeah, let him go inside, getting his eyes on the quarterback right there, and making the play, picking it off, taking it to the to the house right here. So if we can have those type of game changers, oh, he's looking back like Dion to the sideline right there too. <laughs> Prime look right there <laughs> coming out of Georgia. So Adam Hopkins on the defensive side of the ball now with those sure hands. Here's one more play real quick I'll show you. Let me know in the comments what you guys think. Comfortable going after the ball. Uh, and that's what a lot of uh, DBs get judged off of. Do they have those ball skills? Uh, can they make the picks? Can it go from uh, a deflection to an actual turnover? And uh, hopefully that that's what we'll see with Hodge and Hopkins on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'll say this, though. He will be my player to watch. <laughs> he will be my player to watch in the spring. For those reasons that I named right there would be um, Adam Hopkins, who would be another player to watch in the spring for you going into uh, April the 27th. One guy I've mentioned quite a bit that I'm excited for his potential 
based on the aggressiveness we saw him play last season is Jaden Milliner Jones. It's so many options that you have kind of in that nickelback star role. You've got Cam Silman Craig that made a lot of plays out of that position. Miles Slusher started the season as their top guy at that position. And then you bring in a Preston Hodge who can play nickelback. Uh, so there's a lot of bodies in there, but there was just an assertiveness to Jade Milliner's Jones's game that a true freshman shouldn't have. And yeah, he made a few mistakes here and there, but I was really impressed with kind of the, the potential he shows. And so I'm, I'm anxious to see what his trajectory looks like. Uh, he's going to be a special team star throughout his career at Colorado. Yeah, definitely. Uh, big body, young guy who can really make plays. Uh, and a lot of people, hey, don't look over special teams. That's very, very important uh, to making the team and getting on the field, especially as a, as a young guy. Red shirt freshman, sophomores, you guys can't crack the starting lineup. If you if you're in that, you know, backup role, third string role, get on special teams and go down there and crack heads, make plays, uh, uh, be seen, uh, be known, and that's how you can make a name for yourself on the special team. So, shouts out to Adam Hopkins and Jaden Milliner Jones, guys to watch in the spring for myself and Adam. Uh, way too early depth chart, as you said, on in the bag with yourself and uh, Uncle Neely. Shouts out to Uncle Neely. Um, you guys just did y'all second show 2.0. You gave your expressions and thoughts on the way too early depth chart. Uh, I'll say, yeah, it is pretty early, but you can kind of guess who might be there. You know, we know two going to be there, like like Coach say. But who are some other guys who you would kind of oh, – maybe I should keep it more open. Uh, just let's let's talk about <laughs> your way too early depth chart right now. Where's the most competition, should I say? I had to sit there and pause when I got to cornerback, obviously Travis Hunter in one spot, but you could really make a case for Omarion Cooper, Preston Hodge, Cormani McLean, DJ McKinney. When I reached out to, and I mentioned this with Uncle Neely on our, our show the other day, when I reached out to our Oklahoma State publisher, he said DJ McKinney was the transfer defection out of the program that hurt the Cowboys the most. And so you've got a lot of guys that are going to go into spring ball thinking that they're going to win that job and be that starting quarterback opposite Travis Hunter. Right now, I I don't know how you pick between those guys. I did, but because it is a way too early depth chart prediction, I admit that uh, it really is too early to make any declarations there. Uh, and then at slot receiver, I sat there and go, how the heck do you take Jimmy Horn from that starting spot because he was pretty darn solid last year. Maybe needs to be just a little bit more sure-handed to catch the attention of NFL scouts in 2024, but uh, he was very productive. How do I pull him from that starting job? But how do I not put LeJonte Wester in there based on what he did last year? He's obviously going to be an explosive returner for the Buffs as well. Uh, so slot receiver is an area, and, and you're going to see obviously situations where Horn and Wester are out there at the same time. But when you're putting together a depth chart, you're going to state one guy in that role. Uh, and then center made me pause because we don't know if Tyler Brown is going to factor more in at center or more at guard. Uh, he has mentioned publicly that he's been working on his snaps. I've been working with Shadur on that this offseason. And so uh, is he the top candidate uh, to get your best five out there on the starting offensive line? Or is it Yakiri Walker uh, that was – the starter at UConn last year and is somebody that has held his own in the weight room this winter uh, is Hank Zelinsky is somebody who saw action as a true freshman last year going to be contending for that job. So that was a tough position. And then I mentioned the Nickelback star role. There's just so many guys that could factor in there. They have a lot of versatility in the secondary. When you look at both cornerback and safety, a lot of interchangeable pieces back there. Yes, indeed. You you hit all all of them on the head right there. Safety, um, uh, wide receiver, cornerback, going to be high level of competition. Uh, so I won't I won't piggyback on that. I'll I'll say, man, wide receiver. Uh, I'm sorry, running back room is just as deep as the wide receiver room. Man, you have to look at. Um, um, I'm really wondering about the defensive line. Who's going to step up and, and be those big dogs and start there because you have a lot of competition there too with Coach Prime possibly looking to add more. He already said he's looking to add more 
and Neely already said he's looking to add more linebackers after uh, after May also. So whew, a lot of competition. Uh, uh, you're going to have a guy like Draylon Miller coming into the wide receiver room also. <laughs> Just more and more talent being added on top of talent that's already there. DJ McKinney, Preston Hodge, Kamani McClain, um, those, those, those freshmen, redshirt freshmen, even uh, the walk-on, Israel Solomon and them, they have a chance to – to to make a name for themselves and get on the field. So I'm looking to see um especially that opposite of Travis Hunter cornerback spot. Can someone step up and make him make make the opposing quarterbacks as nervous about throwing to them as they are about throwing to Travis Hunter's side? Uh make them think about that. And I think if you can have a play a big cornerback like uh McKinney, uh, aggressive corner like Hodge who can play multiple positions that's going to give us a lot of versatility on that defense. And um, I said on my live yesterday that a guy like Herman Smith Jr., uh, Herman Smith III, coming from Idaho State, mm-hmm. we have Jackson State, he's a bigger thumper-type safety. Um, and I saw him be very productive on special teams and at the safety spot at Jackson State. Can he do that at Colorado? Or will he be like a Trevor Woods and bulk up as it looks like he has and move down to that weak side linebacker position and give us a lot of versatility on third downs and longs and passing situations like that. A lot of interchangeable pieces. We'll see what Coach Livingston does on that defensive side of the football, but you can't be more excited about that, um, uh, you know, with all the talent that we have. But Coach Prime said we're always trying to elevate, always trying to get better. So I expect even more pieces to be added. Let me see and there's going to be guys that right now we're super high on that are somehow going to find themselves third on the dev chart coming out of spring ball and are going to hit the portal. And so there's going to be kind of that another wave within the roster of uh, guys that don't see playing, playing time in the future for them at Colorado and they go somewhere else and then kind of fill in those, those gaps. So uh, the roster turnover is definitely going to continue leading up to, to preseason camp. Yeah, man. Can't wait. Um, also, we got our big fellow, the uh, 16 touchdown rusher from Houston. Uh, pretty much got healthy last year. Should be and looks like he is 100% healthy this year going into the spring. And that's Alton McCaskill, man. 215 pounds, six foot one running back. Um, very productive, like I said, at Houston. Uh, if he's coming back and looking the way he's looking off the top, I think we said a couple of shows ago that he will be penciled in as that starting running back. Um, what's your numbers for him this year that you will say that's a, that was a productive year? Um, and he, he he's making the decision whether he wants to go to the draft or come back. That's how great his numbers were. What would those numbers be in your eyes? north of a thousand yards and you know it kind of depends also how much are they going to run the football we've heard that there are new run concepts being implemented with pat Shermer. Uh, we've heard the emphasis of how they need to be more balanced as an offense in 2024 as compared to, to last year i, I think uh, even uh my, my uh grandmother that knows nothing about football uh, took that away from from last year so they know that they got to be more balanced but it still is going to probably be uh, more pass in the run, right? So that what does that average yards per carry average look like for Alden McCaskill? You know, he really doesn't have to do much more than he did as true freshman at Houston because if you watch that film, it is pretty special what he did there. And there's a reason that Colorado staff uh, is banking on him to be the feature back, that they didn't make running back this big priority with transfer recruiting. And there was that cool moment between Coach Prime and Alton McCaskill during camp last last year where he said, we're not looking for a commercial here. We want to see the full movie and was really preaching patience with him. And I know that it was tough for Alton McCaskill last fall. There were a couple games when uh, he was the first one back in the, in the locker room and you knew that he wanted to be out there playing, but he also realized that uh, uh, he – was going to shut it down in red shirt and that was what was best needed for the team and so showed some selflessness uh by doing that uh but if he's healthy and looks like he did his freshman year maybe 
uh, a little extra bulk to his frame after a couple more years in, in a college strength and conditioning program. And um, I, I think there are going to be NFL scouts that, that find him to be a pretty attractive running back. Is that after the 2024 season or is it a progressive improvement that he shows over the next two years? And then, you know, he's, he's leaving after, uh, the 2025 season, uh, he's going to have to prove it out there, but uh, it's hard not to be optimistic about what he can add to the mix now that he does say that he's healthy. And, and last year it was a mental thing, a mental hurdle you have to get over as well. And it sounds like watching his YouTube live that that he's really regained all the confidence that he had prior to the injury. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you mentioned about the scouts coming over. Now, Coach Prime said that uh, we have – Two possible Heisman uh, Trophy candidates and Shador Sanders, of course, and Travis Hunter. Uh, possible top three, five picks in Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter, right? So you know Scout's going to be there every practice to look at them and see what they're doing. That's also, that, that is also going to give this guy a chance to be seen, that guy a chance to be seen. It goes the same way in recruiting, right? Um if a recruiter goes to a small school in, in the middle of wherever to see this five-star guy, he may just see another guy on his team or he's playing against, hey, that guy is pretty good too. He got looked over, and now you can find another gym by going to see this one. Same situation. You got a lot of NFL and pro scouts coming to see these potential top five picks. There are a lot of other guys out there who could be seen, so you should be on your, on your best work day every day you know, to perform because these guys are going to be looking over every piece of film, practice film, not just game film, practice film to see how you are interacting with everyone, trainers, coaches, uh, people on the sideline, teammates. Uh, are you jogging in and off the, on and off the field? What are you doing? They're going to dissect that with a fine-tooth comb. And uh, this is a, a great opportunity for any player from freshman to senior to be at Colorado at this very moment right here. And if you have a chance to transfer in, I'd be looking at it very, 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 very tough. Like, should I, should I transfer? Should I come here? Because if I want to go to the next level, this is where the scouts are definitely going to see me at because they're coming to look at Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. And that's partly why Colorado is able to attract the talent that it can right now under Coach Prime despite not having, you know, the, the biggest NIL collective out there, right? It, it, there is an exposure aspect of this that is maybe a little bit harder to put a price tag on than sometimes, you know, an NIL collective that, that's throwing a number at you. But uh, it, it when your focus is on the NFL, as Coach Prime says he wants it to be, as opposed to NIL, uh, this is a great place. And you look at a, a Justin Mayers that, was a really solid offensive lineman at UTEP. Had he stayed there, uh, maybe he catches the eye of some scouts. I don't know. Right. But I know that if this season he does a good job protecting Shooter Sanders, he's moving up draft boards because of that exposure. And uh, partly why, you know, Colorado was able to revamp that offensive line so quickly is because guys saw no better opportunity to sh put their skills as an offensive lineman uh, out there uh, in then Colorado. And so uh, that is uh, a big deal for Colorado being able to attract talent right now. And, you know, I was shout out the 5430 foundation because they're doing a great job, but it just Colorado is not in a position from a collective standpoint to be competing with the big dogs, but uh, for name image in likeness, the way that it was meant to be Colorado is really the best place to be right now. Yes, most definitely. Um, you mentioned a well-off video clip, or actually you mentioned offensive line, and I wanted to go to our well-off video recap right here. Um, and that is we're talking about different things that we might have seen in the well-off uh, videos that they put out, or, or Deion Sanders Jr. puts out uh, seemingly each and every day. Um, and we've seen a couple of clips from the offensive line versus defense line. Of course, everybody saw the viral clip of the offensive line versus the defense line on the tug of war with the offensive line winning that. But then we also saw probably our first real words from Coach Lode Holt. Uh, you mentioned Coach D. Lewis is there. He, he was able to speak to the team also. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those two additions 
and, and seeing them on the Well Off Media video. And then we'll get into uh, the one-on-ones that we saw. Those two coaches mean business. That was the main takeaway. <laughs> Phil Lowhold saying, hey, some of y'all ain't living right. And he's uh, not going to hold back. And, and Damian Lewis, that was a very passionate speech. Um, and so we'll see if he's the full-time defensive line coach. Obviously, Coach Sal Sanceri has been dealing with some, some health things. Uh, but uh, both those guys have the NFL pedigree. Damian Lewis was a, a stud at Miami um, and went on to play in the NFL. I think something like 23 career sacks in the NFL. And uh, he actually spent a couple of years as a defensive line coach in the NFL. So he's got some pretty good experience is um, kind of, uh, I think he's in his forties. And so he's still able to relate to the college students, but he's built up some experience in the coaching industry now in, uh, in Phil Lodeholtz, is uh as i told uncle neely on our show the other day is uh the definition of speak softly and carry a big stick you know he's not gonna have as many words as some of the other coaches on the staff but those words you better pay attention to yes indeed they will resonate shouts out to coach d lewis also like you said speaking passionately and uh you could tell that it was kind of coming out almost you know those defensive linemen and offensive linemen the guys in that in those trenches is it's it's like a different you see it in Warren Sapp. It's like a different thing in them because you have to have a different mentality to be in those trenches each and every play and to be successful at it. You can be in there all day and just get pushed around. No, nah, we're talking about the dogs of the trenches. And Coach uh Prime brought in some dog coaches, and we've seen that in what Coach Lowell Holden and Coach Lewis had to say. Um, also, like I said, we saw the one-on-ones offensive line versus defensive line. We didn't see as much as we've usually seen in the past, probably because of guys like me who will take those clips and break them down to the bone gristle and say, hey, this right here. But I would do it in a way of knowing, <laughs> you know, this means nothing until the past come on. And, and you know what I mean? This means nothing. Like Deion Jr. said, he wants to protect the players. You know, he wanted to give the real. He wanted to show everything, but – he want to protect the players at the same time. He's there for their best interest. It's not just for posting uh, on YouTube, you know. So from just what you saw, which is not really a lot, what would you take from uh, from that? I'm hearing some feedback for some reason, but what would you take from what you saw in the Well Off video? Yeah, I'm getting a little uh, feedback on my end as well. Uh, in terms of the coverage that's really challenging because they do a good job of not just showing you the good and the bad as well. But yeah, I mean, how many people out there are analyzing every second of every one of those videos, right? Uh, and, and we're doing it right now on this podcast. So uh, everything they put out is going to be examined. Even early on, there was before uh, they learned not to film in the recruiting room, there were people being internet sleuths, figuring out the recruiting board because you could zoom in. Uh, and so I think it's been a learning process and um, maybe it's always going to be a little bit difficult to find exactly where that line is. Um, and, and we learned with, you know, Trevor Woods out at Oregon. Okay. Got to be a little extra meticulous about what it's going out there, even though he might've just been joking around, it's going to get taken the wrong way. And so I, I think, uh, every time there's been an issue like that, it seems like they they learn from it. And the content uh, that they put out is unprecedented in college football. Uh, it's basically hard knocks for CU fans every day, and you've got multiple channels covering it. Hard knocks for CU every day, and multiple channels cover. You hit it right. That, that's that's facts. I remember watching hard knocks and having to wait on it, but now we're getting it on demand each and every day uh, from our favorite. Uh, uh, school, I should say school, entertainment source, uh, personalities, celebrities, and everything <laughs> with uh, Colorado and Coach Prime. That's, everything is encompassed in that, uh, in one. So um, I'll ask you this question, though. You don't have to go too much into it, but we can talk about this a little bit since we kind of hit on it. Coach Prime in the buffs, Adam and Chico discusses the dynamics of breaking news and making content around Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, why I bring this up is because there are so many ways, and I'm sorry I'm getting feedback for some reason. There's so many ways to uh, break content or to break news, should I say, um, out there and to be sensitive 
to the same way Deion Jr., he could be posting all of these clips. You know, some people getting beat, some people winning, and it, and and the person that might be getting beat might be affected by it in some way just by him posting it. Um, so it's the same way with us breaking news or even journalists or, or whoever breaking news, right? How how do you finesse that? How do you um, put it out there in a way to be sensitive to the subject that you are talking speaking about, but also being factual and uh, and, and staying true to what what the story is. Well, you hear that saying, it's better to to be right than first. And sometimes you're going to get beat on a story because you want to take that extra step. And uh, I've been doing this for 21 years, so uh, I can't report that I have uh, a thousand percent batting average in terms of this, but it's a pretty good percentage. And uh, it's just walking that tightrope and and, uh, trying to make sure that what you're about to report is right. But the crazy thing, Chico, is especially now in 2024, you could break a big story and it's everywhere else re-reported by different people within minutes. And so breaking news isn't quite what it used to be in the journalism space. Uh, And sometimes it's more of a hassle than it is a reward, you know, honestly. Uh, But it stinks when you have to report on a player getting suspended or entering the transfer portal if it's if it's not good attrition for the team but um you know that's part of the gig and uh, especially now with nil at least these players are getting some compensation so i don't feel quite as bad when you have to report on something uh, but you know when i first started covering cu it seemed like there were a lot more off the field issues than they are now i think th- this younger generation is actually yeah, they're going to make boneheaded mistakes because they're 18, 19, 20 years old. But uh, it does seem like they they do a better job of uh, staying out of the, the the newspaper these days, you know, and uh, holding each other accountable on the team. And uh, if they see something wrong, you know, pulling them away. Whereas I think younger generations, uh, like my generation, people things would escalate, it seems, seems more often, but uh, just going back to the breaking news aspect, it it is challenging is walking a tightrope. I'm curious your thoughts on it as you've gotten information and and how you've processed that and decided what you're going to put out there or not. Yeah, for sure. And and I saw you having to deal with some people on Twitter a few weeks ago and same thing with myself and anybody who, who puts out information like that, I'm sure it catches some type of backlash or whatever. Uh, Myself, um, like you said, it's not really breaking news nowadays because it gets regurgitated and aggregated basically and put on other sites, whether they give you uh, credit for it or not. You know, it's it's out there and you never know where it really came from unless it was like, a, a, you know, a situation where they say, oh, only he could know that because of whatever reason. So it's, it's a fine line. Like you said, you have to walk. Uh, you have to protect your sources also you and and that's why you do it the way that you do it you know you don't want to you know out anyone that you're that you're getting information from so you kind of have to finesse it and um and and I learned last week you can't be so excited <laughs> about uh uh saying some things or sounding excited so you have to watch your tone and watch your delivery but uh as the great scholar Charleston White once said you worried about my delivery are you worried about the message? <laughs> you know, so there's it, <laughs> a lot of ways you could take it. But the main thing is uh, um, uh, do your due diligence and uh, be respectful, I think. And, um, and, and you know, try to put the facts out there. And at the end of the day, I think that's what that's what will prevail is. Was it factual? You know, was it factual? You know, and that's just that's my take on it, you know, moving forward. Uh, sorry for the feedback. We will try to fix that. I don't know what happened. We were perfect before the show. And then I, all of a sudden, once we started, I started hearing some feedback. So, um, Adam, I think you can uh, take it from here as far as anything else while I try to see if I can master this feedback. We only have a few more minutes left in the show. Thank you guys for joining in. Um, tell us a little bit more, Adam, uh, about what we had to cover before we go to our last subject uh, on the Sanders versus Hunter real quick. All right. Yeah. No, I'm getting the reverb now, too. Uh, well, we'll get this figured out before the next show. Um, but 
Yeah, there was uh, some good video on Well Off Media this week where uh, there was a, a little interaction between uh, a Coach Prime and Travis Hunter in the hallway. Is that what you're talking about, Chico? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can cut to it right now <laughs> as we are bringing up. And I'll see what the people think about this. Sanders versus Hunter. This is our chat question of the week. Maybe we'll start doing this first so the chat can be um, engaging in it right now while we are going through the show. And then we can get to some, sh some chat answers at the end of the show. So you saw this on the World of Media. And I wanted to know in this prime, as you see the picture right here with Coach Prime or Deion Sanders, should I say, at his, uh, in his Florida State uniform with that number two on, and Travis Hunter, in their prime, if they were going against each other, like let's say this year Colorado was playing Florida State from 1988, right? And uh, you got Coach Prime, uh, Deion Sanders out there facing Travis Hunter. Would this would that matchup go like we see on the Well Off Media video? <laughs> or, or or would you see Travis getting some receptions? What is your what is your take out of 10 reps, right? Travis on offense, Coach Prime on defense. How many catches? Well, first off, Corey Phillips' reaction on social media was great because he's the man in charge of putting together this roster and making sure that there's talent across the board. And he's saying, come on, Coach, what are you doing to my, my, my star two-way player here? But uh, I would say, Chico, that Coach Prime would have gotten the better of that matchup overall. I mean, Coach Prime – in his prime in the NFL, took away like half a field in terms of the other team's ability to throw the football. Uh, Travis Hunter probably has a case, though, because it was just a year ago that Coach Prime was telling us, the media, at a press conference that at the same stage of their career, Travis Hunter's better. So Coach Prime is kind of making a case for Travis Hunter, although um, I, I got to go with Coach Prime. What do you think? <laughs> oh man um well key thing you said he was locking down the field in the nfl the whole well, that one side of the field in the nfl in college not to take anything away from him, he, he he did the same thing in college too but we're talking about in college him versus travis and with him saying that travis is at a better spot a uh, better player than what he was at this point in his career, I think kind of tells what would probably happen here. Now it won't be a nine to one, eight to two type deal. I think it'll be a, a six, four type deal, probably even a 50, 50. It'll be very close. I think, but don't get me coach prime. Don't come in. Don't come at me dog. Don't come at me dog, but I'm, I'm taking Travis. I'm taking the offensive side. I'm taking Big Trav on the offensive side because just for 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 evolution purposes, I think nowadays the athletes are just that much better, whether it's from the diets, whether it's from the exercises, whether it's from watching the guys in history, whatever it is. Prime is stronger now because he's a grown man or NFL strength, but I'm talking about when he was a sophomore or junior at Florida State versus Travis Hunter right now. Dog, that'll be a great matchup, but I'm taking big trial. <laughs> so Coach Prime said that he never trash talk as a player. And but if they did match up in, in their prime of their college career, how much uh, bravado and getting up in each other's face is happening throughout? Because, yeah, I think they're both going to get theirs right at different times of the game. That's not going to be a, a lopsided matchup, but um, how competitive does that get during the game? Is it turning oh. into Andre Risen where they're going after each other, or is it uh, more of a respect factor they have for each other? Well, see the thing with Andre Risen, I think it, it was some personal issues there. You know, it, it was things that was more personal, you know, and, and it was like brothers having to fight and get it off and then go on by the, by the rest of their life. And now they're best friends and still brothers to this yeah. day. With Travis and Coach Prime, I think it would have been more of just a competition thing. Coach Prime, he said he never really talked on the field anyway. Travis is a talker, but also he cannot be a talker. You know, he's a, he's more of a talker if someone else is talking. 
you know, just like I witnessed out here in the Hawaii in a Polynesian Bowl. I think he's more of that. You give it, okay, I'll give it to you, and I'm gonna step it up a notch, you know. But I think it would have been more like Jerry and Dion when they went at it, just going, you just it's like a heavyweight fight. They're just going back and forth. Each play is a Super Bowl type deal, you know. So uh, I think it will be tough. But look, look what Travis said right here. You know, it's because of the he said. If you see his hand, he said it's because it's tight. We're in the hallway. That's why he got me. <laughs> uh, and you also <laughs> said, um, Coach Corey Phillips, as you see right here, you say his reaction on Twitter. Forget his reaction on Twitter. His reaction right here. Watch this. <laughs> Watch his reaction right here real quick. Hold on. Boom. Look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, 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 oh. Let me play it with the, uh, with the audio now. Oh, and I saw some people reacting on Twitter saying, you know Coach Prime old school because he said you got it on tape. And I was like, dang. I didn't even recognize that. I guess I'm old school too then because he said you got it on tape. I didn't even think nothing of it, right? I know what happened. I know what happened. I know what happened. So shouts out to Corey. Shouts out to everybody uh, in this video right here. If it was on the field, or the, I think it, it, it's way more room for Travis to work his magic right there. So I'm taking Travis. For the record, you say you're taking Coach Prime, right? <laughs> he made some good points, but uh, I'm going Coach Prime. All right. That's what it is, man. So that's our chat question of the day. We want you guys to get in the chat right now. Let, let me know what y'all think. Coach Sanders, or should I say Deion Sanders, before he was Coach Prime, we're talking about Deion Sanders at Florida State versus Travis Hunter. Let me know, and uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So that has been another edition of Buff em Updates with myself and Adam. That's episode five. We've gotten through this thing, and uh, we'll chop it up and put it out there. Uh, take your favorite parts and share it and tag us in it. You want to find me on Twitter, you can, at Big Dog Chico, and also uh, Chico Cleveland on Twitter. You can find Adam where? At AdamCM777 on X, or you'll find me on BuffStampede.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And there it is. Y'all check us out. We'll be back with more next week. Buff them updates. Buff them updates. We're going to be up and about this thing. Thank you, Adam, once again, man. Appreciate you coming on and, um, and, and collabing with me, and we're going to continue to do this. Thank you very much. It's been great, Chico. We just got to get you out here to Boulder for the spring game. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace.